Please join me in the prayer for illumination found in your bulletin. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and the word proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. A lesson from the Gospel, Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes, and when he had stepped out of the boat, immediately a man out of the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. He lived among the tombs, and no one could restrain him anymore, even with a chain. For he had often been restrained with chains and shackles, but the chains he wrenched apart and the shackles he broke in pieces, and no one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always howling and bruising himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and bowed down before him, and he shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, don't torment me. For he had said to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. He begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now on the hillside, a great herd of swine was feeding, and the unclean spirits begged him, Send us into the swine, let us enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the swine, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The swineherds ran off and told it in the city and in the country. Then people came to see what it is that had happened. They came to Jesus and saw the demoniac sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, the very man who had had the legion, and they were afraid. Those who had seen what had happened to the demoniac and the swine reported it. Then they began to beg Jesus to leave their neighborhood. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed by demons begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus refused and said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and what mercy he has shown you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everybody was amazed. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I'd like to have a moment with any of the children who are here. If you want to come up and join me, I'd love to see you. And if you're worshiping from home, just get a little closer to your screens. Since it's Communion Sunday, the rail's closed here, so we have to go around the side this way. Maybe Pastor Shannon can help you figure out which way to go. And I want to show you something I have in my bag. I could sing, I've got the whole world in my bag. <laughs> you can see it because it's a see-through bag.
Welcome, welcome. Come on up. Oh my goodness, there's so many of you. I couldn't see you from up here. But here you are. Welcome, welcome. Happy Sunday. I'm so glad you're here. So one of my children made this at school many years ago. You can tell what it is, right? It's the world. It's the earth. It's our planet. And this is about where we are right now. See, that's North America and Tennessee's right about there and Nashville's probably right about there. So this is where we're all sitting in church and singing and praying together. There was a time in my life when I moved, ooh, flew over the sea and I moved here. When I lived here in a country called France for a year. And you know what I found when I was living in France? God was there with me too. I could pray and feel God's presence. I could go to church. And even though they spoke a different language, I knew what they were saying. And I felt God's presence with me there. There was one time I went up here and I had to take a plane and a boat and a train and a bus to get to this little bitty island right there. And you know what? God was there too. I even went over here. And I went to Russia, and I was in Moscow, and you know what? God was there, too. What do you think? If I flew all the way over here, if we went all the way here to Australia, you think God would be there, too? Yeah, I think so, too. What if you got in a rocket and went to the moon? Do you think God would be there? Yes, God would be on the moon, too, and even on Mars, and as far away as we could go, no matter how far away we might go. God is always with us, and God is always there, there before us. And we can always pray to God and feel like God is with us. The story was about a man who probably felt really, really far away from God. He was by himself, and he was lonely, and he was sick. But Jesus went to find him. And it's just a reminder that God will always know where we are and always be there for us. Let's pray together. Dear God, there are some times when we might feel lonely. We might wonder if you are with us. But thank you for these stories that remind us that you are always with us. And there's nowhere we can go. There's no feeling we can have that will ever remove us from you. Thank you for being with us always. We can always pray and talk to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. All right, three, four, and five-year-olds can go to Children's Church with Pastor Shannon. Oh, good, you can go to Children's Church. Y'all tell me if the world comes bouncing down those stairs. I think it's secure. So we are in the Gospel of Mark this Sunday. And for those of you who are reading through the Bible together this year, you may have found this week a little refreshing. Mark's pretty short. Compared to Isaiah or Jeremiah or First and Second Kings or Job, some of those other longer books, it's like you sit down to read Mark and before you know it, you're done. Most scholars tell us that Mark was the first gospel written and that Matthew and Luke had Mark in front of them as they wrote their Gospels. So we get the basic timeline of those three Gospels from Mark's account of the story. 
Mark doesn't bother telling us about Jesus' birth or anything about his childhood. He doesn't tell us much even about what happens after the resurrection. It's as if Mark was in a hurry to get the story down, to let us know just what he thought was necessary for us to know about Jesus and come to faith in Jesus as the Son of God. It's a fast pace. It's a sprint in many ways. The word immediately shows up again and again in Mark's gospel. If you haven't read the gospel, I would encourage you to go back and just read chapter 1. It won't take you long at all. And just look at all of the things that happen in chapter 1. Jesus is baptized. He's tempted in the wilderness. He chooses his disciples. He goes to the synagogue to teach. He casts out demons. He heals people. He heals Peter's mother-in-law. He heals a leper. And by the end of chapter 1, Jesus' reputation has spread so far and wide that the crowds are overwhelming. He can't go anywhere out in the open anymore because of the crowds. And so this trend continues throughout these first few chapters of Mark at this breakneck speed. And then at the beginning of chapter 5, Jesus does something a little unexpected a little bit inefficient even. He leaves behind all of these crowds. There's plenty of work to do still, plenty of people seeking healing and needing demons cast out and all of those things. But Jesus gets in a boat with his disciples and goes all the way across the Sea of Galilee, away from Jewish territory into Gentile territory. He heals one man and then he comes back. Now, why would he do that? It could have been a strategic decision. Perhaps he was ready for the good news of who he was to be spread among the Gentiles. And that certainly happens. After this man is healed, he goes and tells his story. And people all through the Decapolis, the ten cities of the Gentiles, begin to believe. Or it could be that Jesus wanted to find this one man. I wonder if there were times when Jesus was in prayer in the middle of the night and he could hear the cries echoing over the sea, the howling of a man in torment. There's so much about this man's story that is heartbreaking and tragic. Tradition has named him the Gerasene demoniac. He is named for his demons, known as someone who was demon-possessed. We don't know what his name really was. But Mark describes him living among the tombs. He has been forsaken by his family, friends, community, because he is so sick in body, in mind, and spirit. At times, he has even been chained to the tombs perhaps to protect himself as well as others. Because we hear that when he breaks from the chains, he howls all night and he bruises himself with the stones. I can imagine his friends and family getting to a point where they didn't know what else to do than to separate him, to keep him safe from himself and to keep others safe from him. So I can't imagine anyone more forsaken, more outcast, more on the margins. 
And the way he's described is, is scary. It's understandable why, why people might have been scared to be in his presence. But not Jesus. Jesus gets in a boat, goes to the place where the man is, and walks right up to him. The story is told in sort of an out-of-order way, but apparently Jesus began. the man didn't ask for healing, he didn't ask for help, but Jesus begins by rebuking the demons and saying, get out of him. And the man comes and falls at his feet and says, what have you to do with me? Can you hear the, the anguish in that question? What would the Son of God have to do with me? Everybody else has forsaken me. Surely God has too. Surely, Jesus, you have nothing to do with me. And then Jesus asks him his name. And here's where we can see some of the chaos of his mind because he says, my name is Legion for we are many. He is one, he is many. He is, there is chaos in his mind. His identity is lost in this illness that he has. And then Jesus casts all of the demons out, sending them into a herd of swine that then go rushing into the sea. That's a whole nother sermon for another day. But we see the man dressed and in his right mind. He is healed. Now there's so many ways to hear this story in so many different ways it can shape us in our understanding of who Jesus is and who we are. But I'm drawn particularly to one little aspect of this story that I think is, a, is an invitation to those of us who follow Jesus, those of us in the church, the body of Christ. I'll be honest, I don't know quite what to do with and how to interpret the demon possessions that we see in the Gospels. It's a core piece of Jesus' ministry, casting out demons. And I know that our understanding in the 20th, 21st century may be different from the culture in Jesus' day, but I do think there are many people in our day who are tortured in spirit and in mind who struggle with mental illness in ways that can be scary to others. And I wonder, as we see Jesus walk right up to this man with no fear, what calling that has on us in the church. How are we called to be in ministry with those who are sick in mind and spirit? Our culture has not done a good job, really, of offering help and, and solace and resources to folks. Many of us have people in our families who struggle with severe mental illness. And if you do, you know how hard it is to find a way forward for these loved ones. But in my previous church, there was a beautiful ministry that I want to tell you about. Every Wednesday afternoon, I had the opportunity to go and facilitate a Bible study at the Center for Living and Learning. The Center for Living and Learning was started by Scooter and Fran Clippard, and Diane and Buddy Benedict, Buddy who was part, one of the pastors of this congregation. Diane and Fred, I'm sorry, Diane and Fran had a brother with severe schizophrenia. And their family struggled for many years to help him live in some way with dignity and in community. 
And because they were a family with creativity and resources, they bought a piece of land south of Franklin and in Leaper's Fork, this beautiful piece of land. And there's a house on it that they turned into a group home for adults living with schizophrenia. And these friends would come to church on Sunday together and worship as part of our congregation. Some of them would come to Wednesday night suppers. And I or one of the pastors would go once a week and facilitate Bible study. Many of them had jobs in the community. But it was a beautiful, safe, loving place for them to be. Now in the congregation, we weren't physicians, we weren't psychiatrists, we couldn't treat their illness in that way, but, but we could offer them connection and community as part of the body of Christ. That's one way that I've seen a congregation move toward folks who are dealing with these kinds of illnesses. In our congregation recently, I've had some conversations with, with some folks who are feeling the nudge of the Spirit to perhaps begin some ministries in this place where people can come and talk about mental health. Now, many of us don't struggle with the severe diagnoses like schizophrenia or some of the others, but anxiety, depression, addiction, healing from childhood trauma. For a lot of folks, they feel like they can't talk about that stuff at church. Like it should be isolated as this man from Gerasa was isolated. That somehow Jesus has nothing to do with that part of our life together. But one thing this story teaches us is that Jesus has everything to do with that kind of wholeness and healing. So I would invite you to be in prayer for this aspect of our ministry and for those who are feeling called to it. Are there ways that we can make space to talk with one another, to be vulnerable with one another, to support one another on our journeys of mental and spiritual health. Because the truth is, Jesus does have everything to do with that. It's a curious ending to this story. This man throws himself at Jesus' feet and says, please take me with you. I want to follow you. Which is no surprise this life that he has left behind has been full of pain and isolation. But Jesus does a strange thing. You would think if someone says, I want to follow you, Jesus would be like, come on, get in the boat, let's go. But he doesn't. He says, no, go back to your friends. Go back to your community and tell them all that Jesus has done for you. It is the final piece of this man's healing to be restored to community. Which tells me that as followers of Christ in a community built by the love and grace of Christ, we all need the wholeness that's offered in community and in relationship. And how are we called to better open our arms and open our doors to all, no matter their struggles, to be a safe place where we can know that Jesus has everything to do with every aspect of our lives. Thanks be to God.